Support comes from Pacific Science Center, working to inspire the next generation of scientists and increase access to STEM education statewide through digital discovery workshops, science on wheels, and summer camps. More ways to support these efforts at PACSci.org. Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Wednesday. This is Seattle Now. Seattle Public Schools will speak to families tonight about the district's future. Right now, SPS is low on students and even lower on funding. One solution on the table, closing and consolidating schools across the city. KUOW education reporter Sammy West is here to tell us how it all may play out. But first, let's get you caught up. King County has given the city of Burien a deadline of November 27th to accept a million dollars and 35 shed-like shelters to help house the homeless. The offer was originally made in June, but city officials have yet to decide where the shelters would go if they do accept it. The Seattle Times reports the offer will be withdrawn if it isn't accepted or declined by the 27th. Now, the city may still be eligible for the funding and shelters, but it wouldn't be guaranteed. If you're riding the light rail, don't forget to tap your pass. Sound Transit says about 45% of riders aren't paying when they board the trains. Sound Transit's updated fare enforcement begins today. If you get caught by a fare ambassador, you're going to receive two warnings, then a fine. After five violations, you'll get a civil infraction. That could result in a misdemeanor if it's unpaid. If you received a warning in the past few years, though, don't worry. Your slate is wiped clean. And climbers rejoice. The Washington Climbers Coalition purchased 20 acres of granite walls in Index, Washington. The coalition purchased the walls on Highway 2 in the Cascade foothills from a private landowner who had given climbers implicit permission to use the area. The new owners intend to donate the land, which includes 30 rock climbing routes to the state for inclusion in the Forks of the Sky State Park. The Seattle Public School District is trying to navigate a double whammy. Declining enrollment and a $104 million budget deficit means changes are coming. Tonight, the district will reveal its plan for future financial stability. According to a leaked school board document, that includes a plan to close and consolidate schools in the coming years. That has some families on edge. KUOW education reporter Sammy West is here to explain how the district got into this situation and what we can learn from the last time it closed schools. Sammy, glad you're here. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So closing schools is a big deal, obviously, for the district, but especially for students and families Why is the district considering that step right now? Well, the district is in a lot of financial hot water right now. We have a pretty big deficit we're facing here in Seattle. Um, Next year, it's slated to be about $105 million. So the district is looking at pretty much anything they can do to kind of get out of this mess. And one of them is closing schools. But it looks like that's going to be pushed another year. A lot of families had been worried that that would happen next year. Instead, the district is pushing that off until 2025-26. They'll definitely be exploring other school and central office cuts in the coming year and maybe even borrowing against themselves to get out of this mess. Declining enrollment is also a significant issue in this equation, right, Sammy? Yes. Huge issue. Yeah. Tell me why there are fewer students in school right now. 
Well, it's hard to say exactly where kids are going. The district has said that it doesn't track that. But what we do know is it's part of a national trend. Schools across the country, across the Evergreen State, are seeing declining enrollment. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Part of it is that the pandemic has kind of shifted the way families think about things. Students are ditching public schools maybe to go to a private school, especially when learning was mostly online and some smaller private schools were able to stay in person during that time. Some families have decided to do homeschooling. You know, remote work is more common, and that's pushed some people further out of city centers because they don't have to commute in every day. But Another critical piece of it is that the birth rate is declining. Um, Millennials like me are either waiting or just not having children altogether. Yeah. How many kids are we talking about? It's about 5,000. And, you know, fewer students means less money for the district. Yeah, yeah. Which is why we're talking about school closures. You know, this is not the first time the district has considered this action. The last time was in 2007, which, of course, you were not here back then, but you've been researching. Why did the district consider closing schools back then? Honestly, the same reasons that they're considering it now. You know, they were facing big budget deficits, and that's kind of been the common solution that schools look to. You know, fewer schools to operate, fewer employees to have employed in that school building equals less money. Now, this was back in 2007. My son was two years old and wasn't even in school yet, but I remember the drama. So let's talk a little bit about how that all went down. Yeah, there were lawsuits against the school district to try to block any schools from being closed. School board members were recalled. The superintendent faced a lot of heat and even resigned at the end of that school year. School board meetings got really heated. Lots of yelling, um, thunderous applause sometimes, but a lot of yelling mostly. And it, it was a really ugly time. Very emotional for families. You know, what was the district's proposal? How did they envision this closure going? So initially, the superintendent had proposed closing more schools, but what ended up happening were six schools were closed. And that was really, really upsetting for families in those communities. And what ended up happening is, you know, enrollment rebounded, and a lot of those schools ended up being reopened only a few years later. Wow. Okay. So... What was the long-term impact of that decision to close the schools? Well, it ended up costing the district more money than what it actually saved them because of the way that enrollment rebounded in some communities and the way that enrollment was kind of imbalanced across the district. There was overcrowding in a lot of schools, and the district was not prepared for that. So it was a huge issue, and it really stunted The district's ability to kind of reorganize, they actually ended up trying to change school boundaries after it happened. But that didn't go well because they'd already made all of these other changes. And so it was just kind of a bumpy rollout of this whole plan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let's come back to the present for a minute because what's old is new again here. The school board is meeting tonight to tell families about how they're going to handle this budget deficit and declining enrollment. What does history tell us about how this may play out today? What I'm hearing from a lot of people is that they just wish they had more time for feedback. Mm. Back when this was happening, the first time in 2007, in 2009, 
the district actually had a committee to help them decide which schools to close. And ultimately, that committee's recommendations were not completely followed. But at least folks felt like they had a role to play in this. And that's been sort of their biggest criticism of the district. And I think that might be why this leaked plan is showing that the district is going to hold off for another year on these school closures because they want to get more community feedback and have that opportunity to engage them in a real way. Because over the summer, they they held these well-resourced school meetings where they talked about how basically what everyone wants in a school. What qualities do you want? And it was kind of seen as a way to get into the conversation of which schools should we close? What qualities, what factors should we use in making that decision? And I don't think that that worked out super well for the district. I think what they learned is that the community wanted more transparent opportunities for feedback. And so I think that's that's what they're aiming to do now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What should we expect from the district tonight and over the coming months? Basically, what we know is a lot is still up in the air. I mean, the board has yet to approve this proposal. It's just being unveiled tonight. So we'll learn kind of what their thoughts are during this conversation. And then they'll take a formal vote in December. And then they'll have another vote next summer when they're actually approving the budget. So there's still a lot up in the air. But I guess the biggest takeaway that we have right now is there's more time to figure it out. Yeah. You know, Sammy, bigger picture, it seems these demographic trends are difficult for the district to respond to. The entire reason we're having this conversation was because the district made predictions about how many students it was going to have in school during the year 2023, and they were off. Could we potentially be having this conversation again years from now? I can't rule it out. I mean, it looks like we couldn't have ruled it out before either. So I guess we'll see. Birth rates have been declining for a while. So it's hard to say whether that will turn around or not or whether, you know, maybe Seattle is going to become a place that more families want to live in the next few years. We just don't know. So who knows what the future brings, I guess. All right. KUOW education reporter Sammy West. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for listening to Seattle Now. Today's episode was produced by Claire McGrain. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain-Gomez, Jenny Cecil-Moore, and Vaughn Jones. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.